Hello, I'm Julie Duell. Thank you so much for listening to our Ignite Sparks podcast. As usual, we have some great guests on the show today. We have Amy Jones, who's our housing specialist for the City of Sparks, and Kate Zook, who's the executive director for the Silver State Fair Housing Council. So yes, we are going to talk about fair housing today. So welcome to the show, ladies. Thank you for coming. Thank Thank you for having us. Yeah, I'm so excited to talk about this because I think it's kind of a Um, not talked about much and maybe misunderstood. So I just wanted to ask, first of all, um, uh, can you talk, Kate, maybe about what fair housing is and why why it's important? What is meant by that? Fair housing refers to a series of laws on the federal and state level here in Nevada that prevent discrimination in housing, or at least they are intended to. Mm -hmm. And It means that when somebody is looking for housing, no matter if it's in a rental situation, a sales situation, lending, whatever, that they cannot be discriminated against because of their race, color, national origin, religion, sex, including sexual orientation and gender identity, their family status, presence of children under the age of 18, or because of a disability. Oh, interesting. So, you know, I, I think maybe some people are going to say, okay, so what does the city of Sparks have to do with that? So let's kind of establish that, Amy. Can you say, tell me about that? We want our residents, residents of the city of Sparks, to know their rights and that we have this resource in Silver State Fair Housing in our community. And this is a great opportunity to provide them with information and then how to contact Silver State if they feel they've been discriminated against. Well, we so appreciate, Amy, you're fairly new to the city of Sparks, so welcome aboard. And we really appreciate you helping us get this message out. Thank you. I think it's important. And I know uh, staff and council value the the resource of Silver State Fair Housing. We support their efforts annually through our CDBG program, and we provide funding to continue the, their mission. You said CDBG. Can you tell me what that means? It's the Community Development Block Grant that the city receives annually through HUD. Okay, perfect. I know that maybe some people don't understand that acronym, so I just wanted to make sure. So, yeah. So, okay. So, Kate, what? why is fair housing important? Fair housing is important, especially now, uh, because there is such a limited housing stock available. Right. And while fair housing laws do not address um, the expense of housing, they do, again, allow for access to housing. And what we have learned over the years is that when there's a very low vacancy rate, mm-hmm. which unfortunately, is now. which is now, mm-hmm. unfortunately, it is easier to discriminate because forms of discrimination can include uh, outright refusing to rent or sell to someone because of a fair housing protection. It also includes lying about availability. And so if we have a very low vacancy rate, it's pretty believable if somebody says, oh, sorry, I don't have anything now. And very often someone will come away from talking to a housing provider with just a gut 
bad feeling about what's happened to them Mm -hmm. and can't identify exactly what it might be, but they have suspicions. It might be because of my race or my gender. Uh, It could be any number of things. And that's where we encourage people to contact us. Just what I was going to ask. What do do they do? Well, they can contact us. We can advise them about their fair housing rights. Mm -hmm. In some cases, we can do housing discrimination testing. And that is a program where we have volunteers who go into the community playing the role of someone who's looking for housing. And we compare the way two different people are treated. They are similar in every way except one. And that could be their race, their family status, whatever. Mm -hmm. And that is a way of gathering information to see whether this person just had a one-off bad experience, maybe there really wasn't something unavailable or available to them, or that somebody was lying about availability. And so that's a very valuable tool. In any case, we can refer them and help them file complaints with HUD, with Nevada Equal Rights Commission. We also refer them to legal services if they have landlord-tenant issues that need to be addressed as well sounds like such an amazing resource. I mean, and and I think it's so important to let people know that that is out there. Do you have like specific, maybe information or stories that where somebody has been discriminated against? So many, I'm sorry (laughs) to say. Uh, One in particular stands out because it's quite recent. We had a gentleman who was working with a nonprofit agency trying to move from homelessness into more stable housing. He was working with an advocate and wanted to apply for a rental unit. The advocate helped him fill out the application. He took it to the management company, dropped it off. They saw him. He left a copy of his ID. The agency or the, the, the management company had represented it would take maybe a couple of weeks to process the application. After three weeks, they had not heard anything. The advocate called the management company and was told by an agent there that the owner of that property told us not to rent to him. Oh, my goodness. Wow. Didn't say why, um, but he had his suspicions that it might be his race. He filed a complaint with HUD. HUD took that claim, assigned an investigator who also tries to conciliate, and they were able to come to a conciliation. And this gentleman received $1,500 for the emotional toll that this takes, the fact that he still had no place to live. He's not going to go buy a mansion at the lake, but he now has a level of stability that will allow him to get into housing. It sounds like, again, how important that is to have this advocacy, to have this resource. I mean, I'm just, I think that's amazing. So thank you for sharing that story, because I think anybody that may be out there that maybe has had something like that happen to them will now understand that they can, there's a resource for them. Right. And we can't guarantee, we are not the enforcement (laughs) agency. (laughs) We can't guarantee what HUD will see when they take that complaint, but we can at least help people exercise those rights. And this is a wonderful law where you don't have to be a millionaire and hire an attorney in order to get some redress. Right, right. Amy, were you going to say something? What are the most common um, complaints you receive 
By far, disability discrimination is what we hear about most. And I know that nationwide, uh, HUD's complaints, 41% of those complaints have to do with disability-related issues and what we call reasonable accommodations. Disability is defined as any physical or mental condition that substantially limits one or more major life activities, a history of such a condition, or being regarded as someone with a disability. People can't be stereotyped, turned away from housing simply because they have a disability. But the Fair Housing Act also allows people with disabilities to request what are called reasonable accommodations, changes in normal rules, policies, and procedures. And I'm sure nobody would be surprised to know that the number one issue we see time and again are issues related to people's assistance animals. Oh, okay. And that's where we do a lot of work. We help people request reasonable accommodations, whether that's an animal, a reserved parking space at their at their apartment complex. Um, I have somebody uh, right now who has a parking issue about where she can park and how to get into the building. So we help them communicate those things. If they're denied, we will write a follow-up. And I'm not always saying that this is a reasonable request. That's not my place to judge. That's for them to work out. But we help to convey that. And then we can help them file a complaint if they're denied and they believe their request was reasonable. Now, with those requests for reasonable accommodations for service animals or companion animals, can they request waiving those pet fees and pet deposits? How does that work? Oh, Good question, Amy. Thank you. They, <laughs> um, they can ask that a no pets policy be waived, that pet deposits and pet rent be waived. These are not pets. They are treated almost in the same way as any auxiliary aid. A wheelchair, a walker would be treated. Of course, we know wheelchairs and walkers don't make noise and don't mess. Um, however, uh, they, they can request that those things be waived. They can request that weight and breed restrictions be waived, as well as restrictions on the number of animals. But And I think this is where we're going, Amy. If their need for this is not obvious, at that point, the housing provider can request information from a quote-unquote reliable source that the person has a disability as defined under the Fair Housing Act and that what they are requesting is necessary. The gold standard, I think, for most housing providers is they'd love to have a note from someone's doctor. Sure. Um, their, their nurse practitioner, somebody in the medical field. However, guidance from HUD and Department of Justice tells us that there are many sources that could provide this information. Uh, peer counselors independent living counselors, uh, their, their uh, social worker at aging and disability. There are many people who are in a position to know that the person has a disability and that what they're requesting is necessary. I have somebody who needs to pay the rent on the third of the month because that's when their disability income comes in. They live at a property where your rent is due on the first, late on the second, and you start incurring late fees. Um, No grace period there. 
in this case, this person can ask to have a reasonable accommodation to pay on the third without penalty. And at that point, really all they would need is their social security disability statement that says my income comes on the third. third right. So these sources could could be numerous and it's pretty much up to the housing provider whether they think this is reliable information or not. Good information though because I don't think I would have even thought about be helping with when you know, I could pay my rent, the, the certain days that I may be able to pay that based on disability. So I, I think it's really important that we're using these type of examples that maybe aren't as recognizable, you know, as discrimination. I think that's true. And as I said, there are numerous types of accommodations that can be made. Another common one is to have an assigned parking space close to the building entrance or close to uh, somebody's apartment and sometimes that need isn't obvious this is not somebody who necessarily has a handicap placard it's not somebody who's using a mobility aid it could be somebody that has pulmonary issues heart issues they simply can't walk very far and so they request this assigned space the landlord can have a dialogue with this person you know, sometimes somebody will say, I need an assigned handicap space because those are the ones closest to the building entrance. But maybe they don't need a curb ramp. Maybe they don't need that access aisle. They just need to be close. So mm -hmm. it can be a dialogue where we specify what's truly needed and then get into that process. Well, I'm really glad that Amy asked the question about the reasonable accommodations because I just I think that's that's and modifications like you were mm -hmm, talking about. Mm -hmm. So thank you, Amy, for asking that question. Really important one. I did want to move to to asking um, what services does the Silver State Fair Housing Council provide? As I said, we are not the enforcement agency. Right. We are a private nonprofit agency that is funded through grants. Um, City of Sparks has been on board for all 32 years that I have been here, City of Reno. We get funding from Washoe County, uh, Clark County, Henderson, City of Las Vegas, and money from HUD through its Fair Housing Initiatives program. And each of these grants has a focus. Uh, we want to affirmatively further fair housing in the city of Sparks and help the city with that. We want to provide information to the community, to housing providers. We also do enforcement activities under HUD grants. And again, this comes into helping people file complaints, get them resources, do housing discrimination testing if necessary. As a private nonprofit agency, our mission is to ensure equal housing opportunity for every resident of Nevada. We could do this by helping people file complaints all day long. If we do not address education, if we do not support housing providers to help them know how the Fair Housing Act is interpreted, we're not doing our job. So we do lots of accredited trainings. We learned during COVID how to do the Zoom training and we offer tons now of, of Zoom 
trainings that focus on certain specific issues, larger trainings. We do accredited trainings that have credits for real estate licensees, for community association managers, so that they get some credit, but they also, again, understand what the Fair Housing Act tells them they need to do. And I feel this is the most important thing that we do. We do trainings for attorneys, not so that they're going to go out and sue housing providers, but so that housing providers are getting good information about how to operate under fair housing laws. We do accredited trainings for contractors and architects because the Fair Housing Act includes a mandate that new multifamily housing meets certain levels of accessibility, and we want to make sure people are doing it right. So two things that I wanted to, based on what you just said, you mentioned that City of Sparks, you get uh, money from City of Sparks, City of Reno, Washoe County. Where does that money come from, Amy? That's from our annual community development block grant. Which you mentioned before. Correct. And we um, allocate a portion of those funds each year to support Silver State Fair Housing Council. Wonderful. And does that need to go before our city council? That's correct, yes. Okay, okay. I know you said they're very supportive, so that's great. And then, Kate, when what you said, too, about the trainings, how do people um, find out about these trainings? Uh, they can go on our website, www.ssfhc, Silver State Fair Housing Council, <laughs> .org, And we have all of our trainings listed there, including volunteer trainings if people are interested in the testing program and want to become involved in that. Um, We also have email lists where we send out monthly a list of the upcoming trainings and anybody can contact our office and let us know that they want to be on that list. 775-324-0990. Uh, We're happy to talk to people about specific issues and then also to get them on a list so that they are aware of the trainings that are coming up. I think it's so great for people to know about these trainings. And I and, you know, really one good thing that came out of COVID is learning how to do meetings virtually. And I would say it, it definitely helps doing trainings instead of having to everybody located in one place doing Zoom. So I think it's great that a lot of those are available. One more time though, I wanted to ask you how community members can report um, housing discrimination. They can contact our office directly and we can talk to them. We routinely make referrals to HUD um, and they can go online to www.hud.gov and actually find a complaint form that they can fill out there. HUD has a toll-free number they can call, but we are also extremely happy to meet with people to help them file out a a good old-fashioned paper complaint. And part of what we do when we're assisting people with a complaint is we do background research. Who owns this property? Is there a management company? Because the owner, the management company, the on-site agents, contractors that come on site are all part of that chain of liability. So when somebody's filing with HUD with us, we do that research so that they are identifying the possible respondents. We put it all together in a lovely package that is scanned to HUD's intake. And then we do track those complaints through the process. We're not anybody's legal representative 
but we can at least make sure that the complaint got there, that it's assigned to an intake worker. We can help people uh, scan and send more information to HUD if they need help with that. So we, we try to be the full service agency here. Well, it sounds like you really are. And just in case anybody does not know what HUD is, can you mention what that is? So sorry. That is the U.S. Department of Housing and Urban Development, which has many, many arms. I think of HUD as an octopus, actually. But <laughs> uh, they, do, they are charged with enforcing the Federal Fair Housing Act along with the Department of Justice. So HUD's job is to take those ca- complaints and to investigate them. And we have worked very, very closely with HUD for 32 years, and they are very um, helpful because they are familiar with the work that we do and respect the work that we do, uh, they are willing to provide us with information. Again, not specifics of an investigation, but help us track that through. Make sure that people don't get lost in the process. Oh, great. That's wonderful. Um, one other question to you. What, what do you think is the biggest challenge in filing complaints? The biggest challenge for most of our clients is that it's not a quick process. This is not something that's going to stop an eviction. Um, This is a long-term process that can go on for months. Um, If the claim is not conciliated, it literally could go on for years, which is unfortunate. but hey, like I said, we don't have to have a millionaire to act, to be a millionaire to access this mm-hmm. resource. So I do think that's important. The other thing is housing discrimination is painful. Right. It's hurtful. It deprives people of housing to which they are entitled. To file a complaint means that somebody is going to relive this experience over and over so again. So they may not want to because They may of not that. want to. Uh, and, and I respect that. I understand that for some people, it's enough to want to move on. And in most cases, it's housing discrimination is based on stereotypes about people. Um, nobody wants to have to acknowledge that. So it takes a certain amount of tenacity to pursue a complaint. And I think it is very telling that the people who are most tenacious are sometimes the people who are doing this, not because they're going to get a million dollars, because they're not, but they're the people who don't want this to happen to someone else. And kind they of a will keep watchdog going. Watchdog type. Correct. Correct. Mm-hmm. Okay. Great information. I wanted to give that phone number again. Um, 775-324-0990. That is correct. correct. We have a toll-free also, which is 888-585-8634. And anybody in the state can reach us on that. Perfect. And again, the website, ssfhc.org. Okay, perfect. (laughs) And then, Amy, what about um, people that may just really need to reach out in the city of Sparks and kind of find out some resources. How can they, what number, where would you um, ask them to go so that you can help direct them? They can reach me at 
1-800-242-2386 or through my email, which is ajones at cityofsparks.us. And I encourage anybody, if they have questions or need help connecting with Silver State Fair Housing, reach out to me and I'll, I'll make sure they, they get connected. Perfect. We talked about a lot of things. Do either of you have anything that's just we forgot to mention it might be just good for anybody to know. I don't know that we forgot to mention anything, but I want to emphasize again that we're here to be a resource for the entire community. Uh, we certainly want to talk to be people who believe their fair housing rights have been violated, but equally we want to talk to housing providers who have questions, who need guidance. We're not attorneys. We're not going to give them legal advice, but boy, we're going to find them the resources that they need. Great. Amy, anything? I just want to thank Kate for coming in today and talking about fair housing with us. It's a very large topic, and I know she's only touched on pieces of it, but they are such a huge resource for this community. I've worked with Kate for a very long time, and um, I just appreciate her coming in and educating all of us. And we appreciate you. Uh, Literally, there were years where we would not have been sustained without the support from City of Sparks. So um, we're glad that we're not knocking on your door for more money every year. Wonderful. Thank you both so, so much. And uh, I look forward to um, putting this podcast out there so that people can really understand fair housing. So um, thank you all for listening and thank you for joining us.